Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dialed In. This is a broadcast where we focus on sharing actionable steps that you can implement immediately to help you live a big life. Our guest today is part of the Big Life series. Now, if this is your first time listening, I'm talking with people who are living life in a big way. And when I say big, what I mean is that they are dialed in to who they are and are living life using their strengths and talents, doing things they are passionate about. Living big has nothing to do with having a platform, being a social media influencer, or being famous for most of us. Some of us, it may, but it's okay because we're all different. Today's guest is Amy Nielsen. Amy spent nearly 20 amazing years as an educator at the elementary and middle school levels as a media specialist and teaching television production. She is the mother of four children aging, sorry, ranging in age from four to 31. Her youngest son has ADHD and autism. She is the owner and creator of the Big Abilities blog and podcast and the author of the book, It Takes a Village, Get Your Hands Dirty and Build Yours from the Ground Up, which is a guide to helping families impacted by developmental disabilities build a system of support. In addition, she also writes for Playground Magazine and has had articles featured on the Mighty and National Autism Resources. It is Amy's hope to help shift the mindset in families who have a child with autism to not only focus on helping their child overcome their struggles, but also to focus on their strengths. She and her husband and their family call Orlando, Florida home. Welcome to Dialed In, Amy. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to share my passion or what I am dialed into with your audience. I so appreciate you being here. I love, as I look back at all the guests I've had on the Big Life series, I just wanted to take a minute and bring awareness to the fact that every person lives big in very different ways. And I think during this episode, you'll hear Amy share her story which will include how she's dialed in, as she just said, and how she knows what is important to her, and she'll share her specific way of living that out. I just think it's vital to understand that living big is very different for each of us. So all that being said, Amy, share with us what you're doing to live big and what that means to you. Well, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Well, right now, my living big, my passion, is helping families that are impacted by developmental disabilities, such as ADHD and autism, feel less overwhelmed and more supported. And I got to that point, um, well, I'll, I'll start with my background a little bit. And as you said, my professional background is I was a teacher at the elementary and middle school level prior to what I'm doing now. And I do have four children. My oldest daughter, Danielle, I had at 17 years old. And... That was challenging. I was going through some family troubles at the time, and having her at that young of an age, I think really motivated me to want to do something big with my life because at a young age, I had a huge responsibility, and I always had a passion for working with children. So I decided to become an educator so I would have time to spend as a parent 
and would also be working with kids. And it wasn't easy going to college as a single mother, but it was so worth mm-hmm. the work. And she's now 31. She is an elder law attorney in the Tampa Bay area, and I just couldn't be more proud of her. And then my youngest daughter, Olivia, had my 20s. She dabbles in interior design. She dabbles in YouTube. She's the creative child of the bunch. And my (laughs) oldest son, Trent, I had in my 30s. He is in college for business. And my youngest, little guy, Barkley, I had in my 40s. My husband, jokingly, he's Canadian. He's a big hockey fan. He jokingly calls me the Gordie Howe of childbirth. So Gordie (laughs) Howe is a famous hockey player. For those of you uh-huh. that don't know him, he was a famous hockey player that played across five decades. And so I told my husband, I've only given birth across four, so I'm going to let Gordy Howe keep that record. <laughs> the only kids I'm, the only babies I'm holding in my 50s will be my future grandchildren. So that's kind of the little bit of the backstory there. Um, but yes, Barkley does have ADHD and autism. And I think had I not had the prior experience of raising three typically developing children and having, you know, nearly 20 years of experience as an educator, I might have missed those early signs, and a lot of parents Mm -hmm. do. Um, And for a little background on Barkley and uh, information about ADHD and autism, he was a typically developing toddler until he hit the 18-month mark. And that's pretty common for those symptoms to start about, for parents to notice those symptoms about the time the child hits 18 months and for him the symptom was really one word that was it and this one word was this giant red flag for me so one day he's waving bye to his dad as his dad's leaving for work and he says bye dad and it was his first time putting together two words and I was thrilled because you know for as parents when they hit that language boom it's really exciting because Every day they say something different or they start modeling what you're saying. But for Barkley, that didn't happen. In fact, the next day, he was standing at the baby gate waving bye to his dad, and he said, bye, duh. And it was as if that second word was stuck and he couldn't find it. And I was standing in the kitchen. I will never forget this. It was like this Mm. deafening alarm going off in my head and a giant spotlight on him. But I had no idea what it meant and so immediately like probably within a day or two I contacted this pediatrician and I said hey can you send us for a speech evaluation and she didn't really think there was a need for a concern and that happens often when families have a concern about their child's development that young people will say oh they're just a late bloomer or boys talk later than girls they'll catch up and I was being Mm -hmm. told that too but I still knew this was not a typically developing milestone. So the pediatrician gave us the evaluation for the speech referral, and he did in fact end up um, showing signs of a speech delay, both an expressive, which is the ability to produce speech, and a receptive and the ability to understand speech. So we started down this speech therapy route, and it was very slow going. And his speech regression was getting worse and worse, and he was pretty nonverbal at this time. And so I began teaching him sign language, and that was actually very effective. And then one day, the speech therapist told me that she believed he had something called childhood apraxia of speech, and it's a neurological speech disorder. And she said, I know you're going to go home and Google this to death, but don't worry too much. We will teach your son to speak. 
And I did go home, and I did Google it to death, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're punched in the gut. You have a child, and you mm-hmm. have all these expectations, and you wait for this milestone and that milestone. And when you find out there's going to be a disruption in those milestones for your child, and you don't know what their future holds, it's scary. And I found out that childhood apraxia of speech was a neurological speech disorder that impacted the motor planning part of the brain. So the words may be in the brain, but there's a disconnect between the words being formed, and it would take him a really long time to learn to speak. And (laughs) so I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself 24 hours. And that's kind of been my mantra of life. When I get news that I don't really like, I give myself 24 hours to feel those big emotions because you have to feel those big emotions. It's okay to not like everything and to feel the real truth of, of sadness and grief or whatever that is. So I give myself 24 hours, why my child, why my family, and then after that 24 hours, I'm done with those emotions, I roll up my mm-hmm. sleeves, and I get to work. So mm-hmm. find whatever I can find out about you know, this um, neurological disorder, everything I can do to help my child, find the best experts in the field, the best resources. And so that's kind of the path that I began. And one of the things we decided to do was to enroll him in a preschool. So he was around typically developing, uh, you know, peers. And Mm -hmm. it was great because his preschool teacher had sign language background. So, and again, that was his major form of communication at the time. So, and we loved her and we loved the preschool and it was going great, but then the teacher began to report some other behaviors in addition to him struggling with speech. Um, He was impulsive. He had difficulty staying in a chair. He would just slouch out and like slip down and he was a safety issue. He'd dart away from the teacher when they were say walking to the playground or something. Mm -hmm. He had difficulties with fine motor skills like he couldn't even hardly feed himself and so we're like okay there's something more going on than just the speech disorder so this time we went to a developmental pediatrician and they specialize in children's developmental milestones and within just a few minutes she says your son has severe ADHD and she said if we could get the symptoms of the ADHD under control that she felt he would learn to be able to speak and he would be able to function in a classroom setting. But that would mean putting him on medication in just a Mm -hmm. few months when he would turn three. So there's that punched in the gut feeling again. Mm -hmm. Diagnosis number two, soon to be putting my child on medication. And, you know, I give myself another 24 hour period. I remember calling my mother, you know, each time I'd get this news, I'm like <laughs> leaning on her shoulder. I'm like, I'm going to be sad for 24 hours, and then I promise I'll be okay. And um, so then once I got to the rolling up the sleeves and learning about ADHD, I hadn't even finished that phase yet. <laughs> and I get another call from the preschool that they can no longer meet his needs. In other words, my three-year-old little guy was getting kicked out of preschool. So there's another punch to the gut. And I kind of understood. I mean, they were struggling with trying to help him, and they really were trying their very best to to make as many accommodations as they could. But he just Mm -hmm. had, had big needs that they couldn't fill. 
And so one of the things that I had been doing kind of throughout this whole process was, I think, preparing myself for that because I kind of knew it was coming. And I found a center close to our home that focused on behavior therapy. And I thought that would be a really good place for him to go. He had received some behavior therapy and early intervention when he was like two. And I loved behavior therapy. So, but in order to get him in the center, he needed a diagnosis of autism. And he didn't have that yet. But again, you know, mother's intuition, right? It's kind of typically spot on. I was Mm -hmm. beginning to think that that we were headed in that direction because I was seeing some other behaviors emerge and and, um, autism is characterized by things such as, well, definitely language and communication and social struggles, but also restricted behavior. And so he would want to do the same things in the same order constantly. Also atypical behavior such as lining things up. And so lining things up that aren't meant to be lined up. So he'd line up crayons and, and anything he had, he didn't know how to play with toys, he'd just line them all up. So I'm seeing all these things in addition to the ADHD behaviors. And I'm like, I think that's the path we're headed down. And so we went back to the developmental pediatrician and he did in fact get the diagnosis of autism. But you know, Bethany, this time, I didn't feel that punched in the gut feeling. It's like Mm -hmm. this time it made sense. It tied everything together Mm -hmm. and I was okay with it. I was really okay with it. And so he did get into the behavior, the the behavior therapy school and he's still there and I love it. And he has made just amazing progress. And so have I, because I have learned a lot from the behavior therapist, but that wasn't the end of my struggles. Um, It was the upward swing of, of him and his success, but I had just planned initially to have him in that program at the Behavior Therapy Center for just the summer and then put him back in a preschool after he had gained some skills in the fall. And so over that summer, I was having a conversation with a couple of my friends who had children that were my son's same age that did not have autism, so they're just typically developing normal kids, Mm -hmm. And they're talking about which preschool they're going to send their kid to in the fall. One mom is thinking of sending her child to a Spanish immersion preschool. And one mother was thinking of sending her child to a Montessori school. And one parent was thinking of sending her child to like a science-based school. And I'm just thinking to myself, it just hit me. Like for the first time, it really hit me that my child can't do those things. And it put me in this really negative headspace. And I ended those friendships. I told them, I said, it's nothing against you, but right now, I need to keep my mindset as positive as possible for me and for my child and hearing all the things your kids can do that my son can't is making me think more about what he can't do than what he can. Hmm. And, but I realized that was not a good thing to do, right? I mean, saying that I'm not going to be friends with anyone who has a child my son the same age that doesn't have autism. It's just not realistic. And so I immediately found a therapist that worked with families impacted by ADHD and autism. And 
best thing I ever did. And I've heard many of your guests say the same thing, that when they were at a, you know, a big moment in their life that they felt overwhelmed by, that they sought therapy. And, and every person I've heard say that, they've mm-hmm. you know, found success through that. And so mm-hmm. I felt that, that I needed to do that for me. And the therapist, one of the things she helped me realize was that it wasn't really that I was impacted by my son's diagnosis as much as I was my fear that I couldn't parent him the way he needed. Because I, hmm. I never had those struggles with my older kids. And as a teacher, I always felt you know, that I was impacting my students in a positive way and I, I could do the job. This job mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do. And I, I mm-hmm. felt like a failure as a parent. Um, and so she kind of made me aware of that. And that changed my mindset because I realized I don't have to be, I'm not trying to fix anything. Autism isn't something you fix because it's not, mm-hmm. it's nothing broken. It's just part of my son's truth. And so I kept looking during all this research I was doing of what I could do, use to fix him and I was feeling like a failure because I couldn't. So she helped me really come to terms with that. But she also told me this, and this is what ended up becoming my book. She said, you need a support system. You can't do that parenting journey alone because it's tough. And she said, and you just cut your support system off. And I was like, well, Mm. she's right. That was pretty stupid. I had great friends. (laughs) And so I, (laughs) anyway, so six months of therapy and, and those friends, they did not go away. They sent me books, they sent me face masks, they sent me no. loving messages, and um, I know it makes me kind of want to cry thinking about that because they were so good to me. And after six months of therapy, I reconnected with those friends, but I did something else too, and I systematically created a support system for myself, which again became my book. And the book walks the reader through each area of your support system and gives you a step-by-step guide and how to build your own support system because again this parenting journey is tough and many parents of children impacted by these developmental disabilities isolate themselves and I listened to an episode that you did I can't remember the lady's name who was a caregiver of her parent that had Alzheimer's and I remember her saying the same thing that she mm-hmm. went through a period of isolation because it's mm-hmm. tough, right? You, you're afraid sometimes to take, you know, your elderly parent or your child with autism into social settings because of how they might react or how people might judge you. And it just gets mm-hmm. overwhelming and you just kind of begin to isolate yourself. But I realized without a support system, I can't thrive as a parent. And if you can't thrive as a parent, then your child can't thrive. So that was on my heart to write that book and share that information out there with parents. And it doesn't matter, regardless of your current support system. I think about myself and my parents aren't, they're not capable of picking my child up and taking him to therapy or, you know, giving me a break so I can leave the house. They're just not equipped to be able to manage his big needs in that way. But they are every bit still an important part of my support system because I can pick up the phone at any time and call them about anything and they're there to listen. 
So sometimes people think, oh, I don't have a support system because my parents don't live here. I don't have anyone to look after my child. And hopefully this book kind of gives people a way to rethink, too, what a support system really is, or at least what it was for me. And then you really can get to a place of peace and acceptance. And that's the hardest part to get to sometimes in this journey because families are in denial. A lot of people are looking like I was for what's going to fix their child. And, Mm -hmm. you know, once I accepted and embraced that my job wasn't to fix my son, my job was to help him be the best version of him he can be. And that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And you know what? He is the happiest kid on planet Earth, let me tell you. He doesn't care that he has ADHD and autism. He loves life. He's fun. He's energetic. He's enthusiastic. He plays big. He wears me out at the end of the day. I'm exhausted. (laughs) But, you know, it's an exhaustion of joy. And so I tell people, if I had the proverbial magic wand to wave over my son and disappear the autism and the ADHD, I'd pass. And maybe that's a little selfish, because you know what? I like me better now. I like this mom version of me way better than the mom version of myself before having him. And I, my passion is I really want to help other families struggling to be able to find the joy that I've found in having a child with a developmental disability, because it is a big joy. And that's kind of the reason why I wrote the book, the reason why I started the blog and the podcast was just really get that message out there. I struggled and I figured out a way to move past it and I want to help other parents get to that point as well. I love this. I love all of it. I have I have a, over you. a page of notes. <laughs> and <laughs> I think there's so much about this story that obviously is very, very meaningful for people that have a child that isn't developing normally, whether they have the the labels of the diagnoses that Barclay has or not, just in that realm of feeling like they're not normal. And and right. I think this is, this is something huge that could could be of, of great benefit for those individuals, but also, Amy, just for people in general, just for any of us that are going through life, because the thing is, none of us get out of here unscathed. There's, there's no such thing as a perfect life, and we all just get a life, and how we deal with it is what, what um, how we deal with it is what determines whether it's good or bad. It's, it's all in how we approach things. And I love how you share that you're finding the joy in the journey. It's like you're taking all of these things and you're harvesting the best from it. And then you're teaching others how to do that too. That's amazing. Well, thank you. And that is very important to me. And it just, it sets me on fire. And another, mm-hmm. one other message that I kind of wanted to get out there too is, A big focus of what I try to do through my blog and podcast is to get this message out there that in as much as we as parents of children with developmental disabilities, we want to help our kids with what they struggle with. But think about this. What if all day, every day, you as an adult had to focus on what you were not good at 
You had to focus on what you weren't interested in all the time. And people were talking about your weaknesses. How depressing would that be? Mm-hmm. And our kids with developmental disabilities, they have big abilities. They have things they're interested in. And they hyper-focus on those interests. I think of mm-hmm. um, autism self-advocate, self-advocate Temple Grandin. And she's in her 60s now. When she was a child, she was obsessed with farm animals. And her mother encouraged that obsession, and she encouraged it big. She didn't tell her, okay, Temple, you can't talk about farm animals all the time. She went on to revolutionize the farming equipment industry. And just a couple of weeks ago, Cody Lee, impacted by autism and blind, won America's Got Talent because his Mm -hmm. mother big encouraged his love of music. That is Mm -hmm. where kids like my son find their joy. Right now, my son is obsessed with the alphabet. He has every alphabet toy you could imagine. We sing the alphabet a thousand times a day because I'm going <laughs> to encourage what, he, what lights his little soul on fire. Right. And so I just, and on my website, I actually have a section called Their Stories. And I have stories of several kids that have ADHD or autism or a developmental disability. And the story there about them is all about the things that they are good at. So I encourage people mm-hmm. to go there because that is a really uplifting thing to see. And any parent listening, you can feature your child on my website by just clicking there and there's a form to fill out and you can send me some pictures. And I love when I get those sent to me because parents of children like mine, we don't often get the opportunity to brag as much about our kids as other parents do because our kids aren't the star quarterback on the football team or our kids aren't making straight A's on their report card. But this is a place where we can really brag about, you know, the great domino track our son builds and how, or how excited they are about Legos or whatever it is, their big interests, mm-hmm. their big abilities, and that's at their stories. I love it. Okay, so I know people are dying to know what your website is and how they find your book. So can you share how people can connect with you? Yes, and thank you so much. Okay, my website is www.bigabilities.com, and my podcast is Big Abilities. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or you can find it directly on my website. My book is on Amazon, and again, that's called It Takes a Village, Get Your Hands Dirty, and Build Yours from the Ground Up. It is currently only an ebook right now, but you can download the Kindle app on any device. I'm working on a paperback version, And I'm also working on taking the book into a course format. So that'll be coming probably in the spring. Um, And in addition, if you go to YouTube, if you're interested in meeting my little guy, Barkley, and learning a little bit more about some of these developmental disabilities, if you go to YouTube and search Barkley's Big Abilities, you'll find a video there that introduces him, and he chats a little bit, and I, I... you know, talk about some of these resources on there as well. Perfect. So if you're driving or you're not in a place where you can write this down, I will put links to all of these things in the podcast description. So no worries. You can find all the information there. Is, is there anything else that's on your heart that you wanted to share today, Amy, as we come to a close here? Absolutely. Um, I really like how you've asked some of your guests what living a big life is to them. And I thought about that 
for a couple of days. And this is kind of the, the essence of my living a big life and what I hope to help other families like mine find their big life. And so living a big life to me means helping my son burst through the ceiling of his disabilities into the universe of his abilities and to help other families help their children to do the same by not only focusing on the struggles, but also their child's strengths and your strengths as a parent. And once you accept and embrace your child's truth and create a support system for you and your family, you create a scenario where you can experience an abundance of peace and joy. And I promise you, it becomes truly possible. Wow. I'm a little choked up here. <laughs> um, that that is powerful. Thank you. What you are doing is making a huge impact, and what you are doing matters. And I love that you have been brave enough to step out and share your journey because I know. There were probably dark times <laughs> that you've just hinted at here that have been been showstoppers for you. And you could have let that define you and define Barkley, but you haven't. Instead, you're using this as a light. And I think that's absolutely the essence of everything living big. So thank you for being here today, Amy. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Bethany. It's been an absolute pleasure. So as we, as we wrap up today, I always like to include some teaching points, and I could have had like 20 from this, but I have <laughs> narrowed it down to six. So first of all, before I jump into the teaching points, um, Amy talked about another episode with a guest that, had, um, that was a caretaker for her mother for over 12 years and her mother was living with uh, dementia and that guest in that episode was Nancy Landa so if you search through the episodes and you're interested in hearing that story uh, you can definitely find that but um, back to what Amy taught us today and these are just some things you may have different notes but if you haven't taken notes to this point I encourage you to stop for a minute and write some of these things down so When it comes to living big, number one, feel the bad feelings when circumstances are hard, but give yourself a time limit and move forward. Don't stay in that bad place. I love that. I'm part of the John Maxwell team. Now, I remember one of the first times I saw John speak in person, he says, uh, yesterday ended last night. And for him, that means he celebrates things when they're amazing and, and it's wonderful and He goes full out and celebrates, but then it ends and he moves forward. And he does the same thing when it's bad. He sits with it, he feels it, he navigates through it, but then he cuts it off and he moves forward. And I think that's that's a big key to, to your mental health because if you're living in the past, there's no way that you can be present to be able to move forward. All right, number two, celebrate the victories no matter how small. Number three, gaining new awareness is the key to living big. Now, Amy talked about um, part of her new awareness was uh, through therapy. 
And uh, one thing that you talked about was with the friends that you had that you kind of cut them off because of what you were feeling with being around them. And it, I found it very interesting that you realized that they weren't living their life with their normal functioning kid at you. But at the time, it felt like maybe they were. And I love that you were able to come to that realization that they could still be a significant part of your support system, even if their life looked different than yours. Number four, build a positive support system because who you surround yourself with matters. You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, so choose that wisely. Number five, Find the joy in your journey. Harvest the good. And number six, celebrate and grow your strengths. And I'm going to defer back to John Maxwell here again because he talks exclusively about strengths in a lot of his talks. And he says, focusing on your strengths and growing them is your best course of action. Yes, you want to develop your weaknesses and you want to make them better, but your strengths, are that's your zone that's that's where you should be and be in flow and that's how you can give back to the world in a significant way and i love amy how you talked about pouring into your son's strengths and celebrating those strengths and fostering that growth and i think that's important for us to do for each other and um for definitely for our kids but for everyone that we surround ourselves with be sure that you're telling people Um, when you're around them, what their strengths are and what you see is their amazingness, their awesomeness. So, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. And again, Amy, we so appreciate you being here. All of the contact information for Amy will be in the description of the podcast. You can go there and check it all out. Um, As we wrap up here, I just want to remind you to subscribe to Dialed In so you never miss an episode. And until next time, take action, live big, and stay dialed in.